0: 15 podcast, where you'll receive Bible study tools and tips in just 15 minutes. Hey there, welcome back to the Focus 15 podcast. This is episode two of season two, and I'm here. I'm Katie Orr, and I'm here with my husband, Chris Orr. Hey, everybody. And we are answering the question, does it matter which translation of the Bible I use to study?
1: That's a good question. I think that's something that almost everybody has to deal with at some point. So I would answer the question in the same way that my wife answers many questions, which is yes and no. <laughs> yes, it does matter. And no, it doesn't matter at the same time. Yes, it, it matters in the sense that some translations are better than others. But no, there's not a particular one that's like the perfect translation that um, that you know blows all the other ones out of the water and Uh, Your sinner if you don't use that translation. Mm -hmm.
0: So what makes one version of the Bible better than another?
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the um, translation process. So my guess is that if you've been in Bible study or if you've been around Christianity very long, one of the objections that you will have heard somebody say about the Bible is that, oh, well, Uh, It was translated from Hebrew to Aramaic to Greek to Latin to German to French to Spanish to Portuguese uh, to Pig Latin and then finally to uh, English. And therefore, it's like a game of telephone where uh, you say something to somebody and then they pass that information along to somebody else. And at the very end, it's very different than the original message. And I just want to say that that is categorically not how the Bible is translated. For instance, the Old Testament is not translated from Hebrew into any other language before it's translated into English. When people want to translate a, when, when, a, uh, when an organization wants to come up with a new translation, uh, they will go to the Hebrew manuscripts and they will do their best to interpret the Hebrew manuscripts, the original writings, into English. So it's just going from one language to the next. And so uh, in the same way that that uh, you know it's possible to be able to to interpret between two language two languages. It's also uh, possible in a very faithful way to translate a um, an accurate picture of what the Old Testament was saying. And the same thing is true of the New Testament. We go right to Greek. We go uh, in some cases, the words of Jesus, we go right to Aramaic into English. We don't we don't you know pass it through another language. Along the way, so that would be the first thing I would say is um, you know that that most of the, the the big name translations that are out there are very faithful attempts to to translate from the original language into our language, um, and it has it's not like a big game of telephone. Mm-hmm. So if that's your thought, or if you've heard that in the past, that's not true. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you consider a faithful attempt at translating the Bible?
1: So. Anytime you're going from one language to another, you have to make some interpretive leaps um, because we don't have a, an English word for every Hebrew word. We don't have an English word for every Greek word. In fact, in both of those languages, uh, a verb, so to speak. So, if the if the if the word or the concept was uh, he ran to them. For us, that's several words. That's he ran to them. That's four words. I had to count them out with my fingers. Um, <laughs> but in in a lot of other languages, Hebrew and Greek, uh, in particular, that would all be one word. And so a lot of information is contained in in that one word. And so um, you know, just going back and, and finding uh, you know word for word, it, it's not always going to produce an actual uh, legible English sentence. And so sometimes you have to make some interpretive leaps or jumps and uh, so the the faithful translations are going to be ones that that are making uh, those jumps in positive directions they're taking the bible and the main themes of the bible into consideration and and they're not trying to force so let's let's say you had the option of of saying okay well jesus is saying here that he's not the only way to salvation Um, and that's you think that that is Uh, grammatically a possibility for how to interpret it. Well, the rest of the New Testament would say, no, Jesus clearly Mm -hmm. believed he was the only way to salvation. The rest of the New Testament um, uh, points to that. And so, um, it, it if we have to make a jump, we're going to make it in a direction that is in keeping with the rest of the truth of scripture. So I would say translations that keep that in mind would be the better ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and then another time, other ways, uh, a faithful or or unfaithful translation would come out of why is this translation being produced? And we hadn't Mm -hmm. really got into this, but um, several years ago, there was a, 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 an update of the new international version, the NIV. So the NIV came out in 1984 and, um, I think it was it was pretty good in 1984. Well when they came out with a new version in the early 2000s, it's called the T and today's new international version, they went in and they took all the gender specific pronouns, so he mm-hmm. and they they turned them into gender neutral or plural. Um, well, you could imagine that that's going to cause some problems because while there are lots of cases in the Bible where um, you know talking about man or mankind, um, is clearly incorporating both men and women there's a lot of times where if you do that to a sentence it really uh, destroys the meaning of the the author's original intent and so um and so the reason that 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 uh translation came about was to try to uh to to it had this kind of this this gender uh agenda and uh and so that's one of the reasons that it was produced, and so anytime it's a translation is produced with an agenda, you probably ought to, you know, be a little slow to uh, to to adapt it.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me more about the the this process of if you know if someone were to have an agenda, or you know, someone says I'm gonna I'm gonna translate the Bible. I mean, is it usually just one person saying I'm gonna translate the Bible today, or what what does that process usually look like?
1: Yeah, most cases it's not one person. So, like Eugene Peterson wrote the message, which is a uh, paraphrase of the New Testament, but in, in almost every other instance where you have an actual like a version of the Bible, those are going to be uh, translated by teams of people. So, people that have studied their their whole life on um, on Hebrew. Um, and, and specifically they're like, they have a PhD in the minor prophets. I mean, they're, they, these are the types of people who are going to be working in groups to translate certain passages of the old Testament. Same thing's true with the new Testament. So it's not one person. Um, in many cases, it's teams of people, um, who kind of have these checks and balances to make sure that, you know, you don't have one person with an ax to grind, um, you know, getting in there and really messing uh, something up, and mm-hmm. so there really is strength in numbers. I think mm-hmm. with with interpretations, and so a lot of this information. If you if you're like, how do I even know any of this stuff? You can find it um, in the in the front matter of the Bible mm-hmm. that you're, you you know, pick up a translation, and, and and it'll tell you about the Pages
0: and pages of names. Uh, that's
1: right. Usually, that you'll like never ever look yeah. at again. Uh, <laughs> and you might be the first person to ever look at that, but but that information is available. It's not hidden. Well, Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit? We I just mentioned. The word-for-word um, word versus phrase-for-phrase phrase or thought-for-thought. Thought. So uh, if we thought about uh, Bible translation as a spectrum, mm-hmm. um, what, what would be the two ends of the spectrum and what sorts of Bible translations would fall uh, in what places on mm-hmm. that spectrum?
0: There, there's actually a great chart on Mardell Publishing website. And it, it takes each translation of the Bible... And and puts it on the spectrum. And on the left, you have a word for word translation. So the and I you know to back up too that that each um, publisher that is creating a, a new version of the Bible is doing it for a reason. You know, it's not just to make money. You know, like there's end goals. There's we feel that there is nothing out there that does X with the Bible, and so some want it to make it more readable and more accessible for the everyday person. And some want to make it more accurate and more specific and and true to the original language. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, so uh, going back to like when I was in Hebrew class or Greek class in seminary, we always had an assignment was to take the original language and to translate a verse into our own, put it in our own words in a way that's faithful and as you start doing word for word, what you realize is that you put that in an English sentence, it doesn't make any sense because <laughs> the words are all out of order. They're all mixed up. And even once you get the, the words in the right order, there's some things that you need to, uh, to do to make that sentence more readable. And mm-hmm. so the, the, the further, the, the more readable you make it, a lot of times the further you get from the original uh, construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're looking for something that's like, that's closer to the original um, for study purpose... Then you're going to want one of those more word for word. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for something more readable, um, and and you've never picked up a Bible a Bible before any version, Mm -hmm. uh, you're probably going to want to to get something that's a little bit more readable, um, just to make it easier on yourself, uh, you know. And then and then maybe down the line you can incorporate that Mm -hmm. that more word for word version.
0: Yeah. And so for the word for word versions, um, I think Mardell has listed as the New American Standard. Is the one closest to word for word translation. But if you've if you've picked up the the it's or the NASB, it's called, and it's it's a great translation, but it is dry. It is not you know you have to read it two or three times to really get the meaning of it. A lot of times, that is what I used for years and years before the ESV came out, the English Standard Version, which is not quite as close to word for word, but it's 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 the closest to the New American Standard, out of, you know, the most popular Bibles. And it is a, it's a it's a faithful translation that is, is very close to word for word. On the end, other end of the spectrum, you have phrase for phrase. And the New Living Translation, I think, is one of the farthest on that spectrum. The Amplified Bible will be down there. Somewhere that's kind of more mid-ground to closer to phrase for phrase is the NIV. Uh, what are some other ones that you can think of some more popular versions and where they might be? Well, I think like oh, the Holcomb standard version, the Holman, Holman. standard. <laughs> what did I call yeah, it? All, all the Southern Baptists <laughs> that listen to us are, are what uh, did I call uh, it?
1: Shaming us right now. He's called the Holcomb. Okay, yeah, Holman we'll, Christian. We'll edit standard that one out. Bible. No, we're leaving it in.
0: <laughs> Holman
1: Christian Christian Standard Standard Bible,
0: or the HCSB. That is middle ground too, a little bit further on, probably than the NIV towards the word-for-word translation. Yeah,
1: fairly close to the English Standard. Yeah. Also in that neighborhood would be like the King James and New King James. Mm -hmm. So those are two versions Mm -hmm. that use the same scholarship. And we're going to get to that in a different episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to talk about some of these particular... Translations kind of give them their own episode and, and mm-hmm. kind of give you some background uh, on them.
0: All right, question for you: Top three Bible versions that you use, and how do you use them?
1: Okay, so uh, I grew up, my first Bible that I remember, like my mom buying me, was a New American Standard. So there's a special place in my heart for uh, the NAS, NASB. Um, So I like that translation, but it's not my top. I would say I would probably put that at like number three Mm -hmm. um, because, again, it is it is a little bit more more wooden. Um, What do you mean by wooden? Wooden uh, word for word um, and a little bit harder to read. But uh, but that's that's small potatoes.
0: Is that like like seminary talk wooden?
1: Yeah. So anytime you translate something word for word from a different language and you don't Change the order around; it's going to sound weird. It's going to sound dry, or, or it's just going, it's just not going to sound like a like a conversation mm-hmm. or, or like a like a novel. Okay. Um, so, New American Standard would be would be that number three. Uh, number two, I would put probably Holman Christian Standard, and then number one, the version I do most of my study out of, the the one I preach out of every Sunday. And that's the ESV, English Standard Version. Um, I really like that.
0: Yeah, I agree with those. NAS, I kind of grew up on and was most familiar with. And used it until the ESV came out about 10 years ago? 15 years ESV ago? ESV was, I
1: think, 2001.
0: 2001, yeah. So, about 15 years ago. And I really, really like the ESV. It's great for study. and But I also enjoy the New Living Translation for a fresh perspective every once in a while. I don't use that to study, but I do like... It, when I'm just reading um, and looking for just kind of, especially passages that, you know, you're real familiar with. You kind of, I tend to gloss over them and go, yeah, 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 I know that. So anyway. All right. Well, two closing. Yeah,
1: two closing. So one is that I think we need to be humble anytime we're talking about translations Mm -hmm. uh, and not take the perspective of, well, this is my preferred translation, so anybody else who doesn't agree with me is a sinner. Mm -hmm. Um, Because unless you are really a scholar in those biblical languages, um, and most people are not, uh, we probably need to chill out a little bit. (laughs) Second of all, uh, there are people all around the world who speak languages other than English who have never had a Bible in their own language. And so... As helpful as I think it is for us to talk about Bible translations, we always need to keep in mind that uh, most of our translations are very good, and, um, and and I would hope that in the future we would see a lot of our efforts going towards translating them into those other languages, because uh, those people need faithful translations mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yeah. And if you're looking for an organization, there's a Wycliffe Bible Translator affiliate called The Seed Company, and we... We uh, support them and love the work that they're doing to bring new translations to the nation. So. That's
1: right. And I will say the very last thing we got to oh. go is we are not. <laughs> this episode has not been uh, sponsored by any publisher, no. or any Bible translation, <laughs> or even the Seed Company. Um, and so, uh, so this is just this is our honest yeah. thoughts.
0: All right. Well, check out all these links and everything in the show notes. If you want to share with us your top three Bible versions, we'd love to hear it. And we'll chat with you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed these tips, share it with a friend. To learn more about Chris and Katie and the Focused 15 ministry, go to Focused15.com. Have a great week!